Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. You ever predict something and really wish you hadn't predicted it because it's something that while you were right, you really hated seeing well, we have a case like that today. Norm Duvet is with us. He's the chief development officer for COPA Health. And COPA did something last year called planning for a pandemic. And boy, were they right. When you look back, Norm, is it kind of shocking of all the stuff you were planning for? Boy, happened and happened with abundance. You know, it, it is. It's so interesting. And by the way, thank you so much for having me on today. You know, when when we had the conference last year and we were going through all this information every year, and I think this is our seventh or eighth year in a row, uh, we are a nonprofit based out of uh, Arizona. Um, we've had emergency preparedness conferences, and we've done everything from, like, mock boiler room explosions to active shooter drills and things like that. So last year when we did the planning for a pandemic, we thought, okay, this is a different type of subject. It's something that, uh, you know, people aren't going to be used to, but there's such – such good information that we want to do it. So we had we had some experts come in, and um, frankly, you know, afterwards, I, I kind of just you know counted my blessings that we had never gone through anything like that since 1918. There's never been anything, you know, that significant in the United States. Yeah, exactly. So, so talk about what what you guys worked on. I mean, is it look pretty much like we are to the situation we're in today? Yeah, it, it's it's eerie how much it was. Uh, um, on track, uh, on point for things that are happening today. We talked about stuff like uh, um, uh, PPE, which, you know, obviously being in, uh, you know, a nonprofit in the medical field, I understood what personal protective equipment was, but I didn't realize the extent to the extent to that it was used by organizations, you know, outside hospitals or whatnot, you know, so organizations that deal with developmentally disabled or intellectually disabled individuals, uh, even people that have behavioral health issues, serious mental illness. So when we talked about the PPE, when we talked about the sanitizing, we even heard some terms about social distancing last year. And, you know, at the time, I have to tell you, I really thought, well, okay, yeah, maybe in 1918 with the Spanish flu, that made sense, but I can't see anything like that happening today. And boy, was I wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that term social distancing has to kind of shake you up because you figure it can't, it can't get to that point. So as you went through all that, did you share that with other people? I mean, because I, I like you, I'm familiar with a lot of organizations that do these kind of things, but I haven't heard one for a pandemic. And so this was really interesting. And you, and you were saying for you guys, that was the first time that you addressed that subject. Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting is um, we have a really great relationship with the state of Arizona Department of Health Services. We have a really fantastic relationship with Maricopa County Health Services. And, um, you know, obviously Maricopa County is the largest county in the state of Arizona population-wise. So a lot of times we would include them in our uh, emergency preparedness events. We would have, uh, you know, um, nurses come out or, uh, you know, officials come out for maybe an active shooter drill or the mock explosion that I was telling you about. Uh, so last year with the Department of Health Services, they said, listen, we'd like to help you out a little bit. We'd like to support your, your annual conference. 
but here's something that we're focusing on this year. And they were part of a national uh, effort called Crimson Contagion, which actually, you know, went through all 50 states through the federal government, um, you know, asking questions like, how prepared are you for uh, a um, contagion or a novel virus like the coronavirus that we have now? And we said, yeah, of course, uh, we would love to do that. So what we did is we reached out to all of the organizations that we've invited to our events in the past. So nonprofit organizations, uh, organizations that um, deal with the elderly, um, schools and uh, organizations that deal with children, and we got them involved. So every year we've had people involved. And last year we had a, a really great turnout. I think there was close to, you know, 200 people from all over the state of Arizona. And, you know, we, we had fantastic, uh, you know, giveaways. We had a, a binder, you know, with basically a game plan on how to handle things. We had a little medical kit that uh, had all kinds of uh, examples of uh, personal protective equipment and things that you would need. You know, working with those other organizations, we just, you know, saw such a, a need to get this information out. But we still didn't believe that we would have, you know, a situation like uh, the novel coronavirus that we have right now, the COVID-19 virus. Well, I would assume the COPA health staff takes a lot of pride in this because really these are the first responders. And to know that they were Nostradamus when it came to this were at least – it didn't shock them when it actually happened. It's like, okay, that was that's in our recent memory. What do we need to do? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because it didn't uh, it didn't shock us that uh, you know as, as far as being ready for it, but it did shock us that it was actually happening. And there's so many things that you still don't think about in situations like this. You know, the technology uh, dependency that we have right now, uh, the fact that we had to quickly pivot from in person event or in person meetings at our clinics to, you know, try to get our telehealth program up and running. And Copa Health did a fantastic job. I think we, uh, you know, shrunk the time frame from like an 18-month rollout that we had had planned to like uh, four or five days for our telehealth. So even though we were prepared, and we think we were as prepared as anybody, obviously in the county in the state of Arizona and probably in the nation for our type of uh, business, um, we still found things that, uh, you know, were a little bit shocking to our system that we just didn't see coming. You know, for example, the the lack of personal protective equipment. We thought, well, we don't need to keep 50,000 masks on hand. We just need to pick up uh, the phone and order them when they come. And obviously there were difficulties with that everywhere. So how has this affected what you do? Because this obviously is a different year than any you've had in memory. So, so how did that affect everything? I mean, because I imagine the frustrating part is this takes up so much of the bandwidth that your regular great services get impacted. Well, you know, it is interesting because we have such a wide variety of services. We started out in the 50s, you know, dealing with uh, children who had developmental disabilities. Nine families in Mesa, Arizona, just could not find services for their children. That's how our organization has uh, started. But over the years, we have grown to do um, all types of things for, you know, many different types of individuals that have... uh, developmental, intellectual disabilities, people that have uh, behavioral health issues, serious mental illness. And we have group homes. We have apartments that we run. We've got the largest employment-related services uh, for individuals with disabilities in the state of Arizona. Um, and also we have uh, eight clinics uh, you know, that see people on a, a regular basis. So it was interesting because in some of the situations, we really had to you know, soldier through with our group homes. We had to make sure that we had the protocols in place to make sure that the people that we had living there that we were taking care of 
were, you know, as safe as possible. And others like our employment-related services, which is a huge, huge part of our organization, we had to see what we could make happen, you know, as the time allowed. So now we have, you know, some of those uh, devices that will measure your temperature when you're coming in. We do, you know, uh, uh, you know, we have questions that we ask everybody when they're coming in every day on whether or not they were feeling a fever and things like that. But as far as pivoting, the the clinics was the biggest, the clinics were our biggest challenge because everybody was coming into our clinics to see our, our physicians and our nurse practitioners and our counselors and our psychiatrists on a regular basis. And we had to quickly, you know, pivot with that. And the nice thing about it is the technology that we put in place and the protocols that we put in place, they can, you know, outlive COVID because they are they are giving people the ability who might have been isolated before and really struggled to get to one of our clinics or get to their appointments. They are giving them the option now of seeing somebody um, as much as possible remotely. So we, we are really, you know, proud of that. So even though we did have those challenges in keeping the uh, business going, you know, we have a continuity of business plan. We feel like we've come up with some solutions that will help us far into the future beyond COVID. Well, you, you, you talk about beyond COVID, and I'm glad you said that because as I did a little research for this, Copa Health looks to me like it might be the model for 21st century and beyond healthcare because we think of it, we think of these big bureaucracies that you know basically bill you for things you don't understand and all that stuff. And the fact that starting from nine families, you've got these six values, and I want to go through them, but it seems like a smaller, tighter organization really dedicated to really going back to the elements of healthcare can actually be more effective even with a big beast like coronavirus. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things that folks don't think about when they think about somebody with maybe a developmental disability or even a person with a serious mental illness. There's always co-occurring conditions, and uh, so many organizations, wonderful organizations, hospitals, clinics, doctors, uh, they... They serve the person, and they serve the person to deal with the specialty that they deal with at their organization. Well, with COPA, we look at the whole person. Obviously, if a person needs psychiatric care, if they need you know, prescriptions and medical care, as far as that goes, if they need living, cares, living care, if they need living skills, if they need you know, employment help, we try to handle you know, the whole person right down to their medical well-being, their, their physical well-being, uh, spiritual well-being, and obviously their wellness, which is a day-to-day thing, trying to keep that balance in their life. You know, often, you know, the right hand and the left hand in our medical industry, they don't often know what uh, they're doing because uh, they're in different buildings. They might even different be different practices. But with COPA Health, what we try to do is make sure that we understand everything that a person needs. They might be um, on a certain medication, and we know that uh, if they also come in and all of a sudden they have high blood pressure, how that medication is going to interact. Um, they might be in a certain living situation, and we know how it might make it you know, more difficult for them to get to a location you know, halfway across town because of where they live. So we try to accommodate with uh, locations that are closer to them. So we try our best to serve the whole person. And I think you're right. That is, I think, the model for the future. Well, this philosophy is fascinating. You have six values, and when I first saw it, he starts with people first, then compassion, integrity, perseverance, accountability, and innovation. Well, I'm thinking, well, gee, I would want my organization to be innovative first. But as I thought of it and I went through this, I go, no, that's exactly right. 
you don't even want to worry about that until you've taken care of the people you're looking at first. And going through any medical event or what have you, everybody knows, compassion's pretty important. If you don't have that, you're not really interested in what new machine we have or so forth. We got to get through this crisis together. So putting people first really is the philosophy of the organization. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I was part of the team that came down and came up with those values, those six values. And the thing that is so interesting about it is when you put people first, all of the others just seem to make sense. You you want to first understand what's going on with the person. And we are not just talking to the people that we serve. We're also talking about our employees. We're talking about our staff. We're talking about the families associated with the people that we serve. Because in the behavioral health field, especially with individuals who have serious mental illness, often the families feel locked out because uh, they don't have the access. So when we talk about people first, we obviously are talking about the members, the people that we serve, but we're also talking about our staff. We're talking about family. We're talking about the community. We try to look at the person first and make sure that we are doing the best for them. You just naturally get to innovation. I think it's really kind of a cool roadmap. So to keep doing this great work, you are a nonprofit. You count on events and so forth, and you have an annual event. And, of course, like everybody else, coronavirus has cut into your ability. So you're going to go in and do a virtual fundraiser. Talk a little about what you have planned for that and how we can get involved. Yeah, so um, obviously in the past, and I think this is uh, pretty much a model that's uh, you know a traditional model throughout the United States and the world. Uh, once a year, twice a year, you get people together in a room and you give them you know, maybe a, a, uh, a chicken dinner or something like that, and you have an auctioneer and you get up and you try to raise some money and try to tell your story. Well, our CEO, Dr. Sharna Jaffe-Piper, has been so innovative. She's like, hey, let's pivot and let's have a virtual event. So we started looking into it. And uh, anybody that is interested, you can go to copahealth.org, and right there on our homepage, you're going to see click here to learn more about our uh, virtual event. And what we're trying to do is put together uh, an event that is fun, that's informative, that lets people, uh, you know, not just know about the people that we serve, but see how they can help and have an impact with the people that we serve. Uh, we often talk about, uh, you know, when we have an in-person event, we've had events where we've had as many as 425 people in a ballroom, and that's a pretty, you know, good amount of people that you can have in a ballroom at a time. Well, with this, we are expecting, you know, the ability to have two, three, four thousand people, you know, log in that night. So if you go to that site and you register, you're going to be able to log in that night and see about the organization. You're going to see some of the stories of the people that we're helping. You're going to find out what a uh, $50 donation can do. I mean, a $50 donation can feed the people in one of our group homes for a week. And we're talking four or five people plus staff. And, you know, food insecurity is such a big deal during COVID-19. I know the food pantries are really, really struggling to keep up. Um, we talk about, you know, connectivity. We might have somebody that we support, but they live independently and they don't have access to the technology that they need. Well, a $200 donation can buy an iPad, which will help allow them to make it to their medical appointments, you know, virtually. And it just makes such a big difference. So, yeah, um, copahealth.org and uh, the virtual event, event that we have is, uh, you know, featured on that page. And we're just hoping that we can get people to come out, learn more about the organization. We are wanting to expand, not just be beyond, you know, Maricopa County, because we're already throughout the state of Arizona. But in the next five years, we'd like to have locations in states that have similar, you know, needs that we have here in Arizona. And so uh, it's a good time for people to get to know about what we do here in Arizona, what we do at Copa Health, 
and uh, um, how they can have a positive impact on the people that we serve. Well, Norm, we're going to go to copahealth.org, get involved. Uh, one last question, because based on what you did the year before, what's the uh, annual uh, exercise going to be this year? I, I'm almost afraid to ask. <laughs> you know, no, I am glad that you asked, because last year with planning for a pandemic, we set the stage for how you would deal with something like we're going through right now. And we had uh, organizations, like I said, that deal with seniors. We had health organizations that deal with children, schools. We had other organizations that came on. They, uh, they have uh, group homes or maybe day programs for people with developmental disabilities. This year, you know, when we were trying to put it together, we thought, okay, how do we follow that up, considering the fact that everything we talked about last year is now coming to fruition? Unfortunately, I mean, 2020 is just a difficult year. And we started hearing about all these fantastic stories of how people pivoted, how organizations pivoted. And we're putting together, you know, um, a pretty decent documentary-style video with leaders of all these organizations throughout uh, Arizona and how they pivoted during the pandemic and how they were able to take uh, these really difficult situations and put together uh, programs that really helped enrich their organization and help the people that they serve. So this year it's called Resiliency During a Pandemic, and literally we're having a lot of the same people that we had last year um, but this year we're focused on what did you do this past year? How did you handle the uh, uh, COVID-19? We asked these people, you know, when you first heard about it, what did you think? And then when things started to get really difficult, how did you handle it? And what are some of the innovative solutions you came up with? So we're really excited this year um, on uh, September 10th to be uh, holding, once again, a virtual event called uh, Resiliency During a Pandemic. And uh, we're hoping that people will come out and get a lot of great information. That sounds good. Norm, thanks for chatting with us today. Really appreciate it. No, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody's doing well out there. I, I do uh, weekly videos for our staff, and I always tell people, be safe. You know, just uh, you know, take care of yourself first because you can't take care of anybody else unless you're healthy and doing well. So thank you so much for having me. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-296-1337 That's 800-296-1337 To re-emerge stronger and safer than ever, ask yourself these crucial questions. Should all restaurants, retailers and venues have new safety and sanitation procedures in place? As a business owner, how can you assure your valued guests that proper protocols are being followed? How can you give your guests confidence knowing that you've prioritized their health and safety? Introducing VirusSafe Pro, a revolutionary mobile technology software that provides checklists, reminders, and confirmations to help your team perform health and safety measures right on schedule. It allows you to close the information gap in the workplace by giving your employees a dedicated source of credible instructions in a timely manner, right from their mobile devices. 
validate compliance with health and wellness standards, provide regular safety and health messaging, and confirm that approved protocols have been performed all in real time and an easy to read dashboard. Tracking and verifying health and safety procedures in your business has never been more important. To learn more about how VirusSafe Pro can help you reopen, visit VirusSafePro.com.